American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another episode of American Hammers Radio. I am your host, Tex, of the Fresno Irons, joined by one of the newest Fresno Irons. And might I say, one of the loveliest. He smells uh, He smells like America. Let's be 100% honest. Welcome into the show, Liam Bright, yet again. Well, thank you, sir, for that uh, wonderful introduction. And I got to say, if America smells like bourbon... That is the cologne that I wear. It's actually called bourbon. My wife bought it for me. So I can't think of anything more American than just deep down south country homemade bourbon. Or I guess maybe moonshine might be the only other uh, uh, addition that you could put to that to that name. Uh, all I can really say is I've been told I smell like bourbon, but I didn't have the same reaction. It was uh, it was much more negative, like, oh, my God, you smell like bourbon. It's it, We live interesting lives. It's very interesting how bourbon is good for you, but yet negative for me. Well, that's because it was noon on a Tuesday and you were smelling like bourbon. <sighs> I told you that in confidence. <laughs> Um, you know, we had an interesting, uh, an interesting day on Friday as we saw West Ham United take on Sheffield, um, which Sheffield surprisingly, the blades are way up the table all the way in eighth. And, uh, yet again, I don't think many fans really believed that Sheffield is that great West Ham an opportunity to keep it going and get three wins. Um, but unfortunately, uh, fortune is always hiding <laughs> and West Ham United fall one nil to Sheffield. Um, they gave up a goal. It was kind of a situation where it was a good goal. Like you can't really, uh, you can't really be discouraged by it. Uh, Fabianski unable to make the save. Martins, sorry. Oh, Martins. excuse me, Martin, yeah, that's Martins. right. Yeah. Fabianski went out. My God, I blocked that out of my mind. I, I think we all tried to just to just move past that and go, well, it's 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 only a blip on the radar. We're going to be able to move forward. It'll be fine. But no, we, uh, we lost another one to the hamstring. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. I was so disappointed. Martins comes in. Martins, he actually was in position to make the save. The ball doesn't bounce his way. It gets underneath him. And it gets back and through the net. Um, so interesting moment, though. Um, we we were in the bar at Pine and Palm Brewing Company, which is the home of the Fresno Irons for weekday matches. And uh, we're sitting there, Liam, and, and I, I said maybe two or three times, why is Snodgrass not on the pitch? Where's Snodgrass? And then sure as shit, Robert <laughs> Snodgrass gets subbed on. And what did I say? I, I said immediately in the bar. He is going to put this. We're going to score a goal right here on a set piece. And sure as shit, he sends it in. Alaire gets on the end of it. Goal. We go ape shit. Oh, oh, we're losing it. It was fucking offsides. Absolutely crushing. But nonetheless, you, you feel good about the situation. Uh, West Ham United tend to get on the front foot at this point. Um, Snodgrass immediately impacts the game. They start pushing. You look, they look like they're going to get that goal. Now, I, I wish they were going for the winning goal, but it was going to be the, the goal to tie the game. And well, we get a beautiful moment where we steal the ball. Declan Rice is heading down with it. Um, the ball comes to Declan Rice. Excuse me. He, he tries to chest it down. He, he does, sends the pass, Snodgrass puts it in, and Liam, it was insanity. Like, everybody was like, oh my God, we're back in this game. And then the three letters of hell <laughs> come out, and we hear V-A-R. Liam, I, I got to know, the moment you heard V-A-R, 
Was there any doubt in your mind this goal was going to get disallowed? You know, it, it, it was tough because at first I didn't even know what they could possibly be checking, right? Because, you know, I, I, I remember – last thing I remember was jumping into your arms, the big burly man arms that you do have. And I was just completely losing it. We woke up my daughter, which, you know, if you're going to wake up your sleeping three-month-old, why the hell not? You know, and my son's looking at me all confused like, oh, this, uh, this is good. Goals are good, right? And immediately you could feel the air just sucked out of the room. All of us were just – because it's us, because it's West Ham United – and it's the 93rd minute or 92nd minute, what have you, they're going to pull this goal back. And the way that it was pulled back, I think, was what made it even more heart-wrenching. Because it's not like the Antonio handball, right? Where, you know, we kind of agreed he did straighten his arm a little bit to maybe gain somewhat of an advantage. This is the Sheffield defender heading the ball directly into Declan Rice's arm, which he has no ability to move out of the way. What, are you going to run with your arms behind your back? This, this is insanity. It is. Hold on. Hold on. Let me check that by VAR. <laughs> yes. You have to run with your arms behind your back. You're correct. Oh, thank you. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. It's, it's, in, it's insanity to me that we even have to have this conversation. I mean, not just because it was an unavoidable contact with the ball, but it's not as though he personally scored the, the goal. He still had to play the ball off to another attacker, to another player, and that player had the onus to score. And we've seen Snodgrass before when he was one-on-one with the keeper and not put it away. So it does still take technical skill and ability for him to bury this shot. It, I'm at a loss for words, to be honest with you. I, I just, even still going back to it right now, it infuriates me because this is... Yet another instance where West Ham is on the short end of the stick when that stick that is beating us half to death is VAR. This is what kills me, Liam. Other than this year, every year prior in the Premier League, that's a goal. And that's what's frustrating because the rule used to read intentional contact with the ball by an arm is a disallowed goal, but that's not the way it reads anymore. This year they changed it. It was a, it was one of those subtle changes that they would slip in at the end of the conversation. Kind of like when you're, you know, 13 years old and you're dating a girl and you call her and your friends like, you know, find out if she likes you. Well, just right before you hang up the phone, say, I love you real quick. You know, <laughs> like that's what they tell you to do. And it's the same thing. That's what the premier league did to every fan. They go, Oh, Hey, and by the way, if your arm touches the ball at all, it's a disallowed goal. So by the letter of the law, by the letter of the law, it was the correct call, but every footballer, every supporter knows that that should have been a goal because there's nothing like you said, you've already mentioned it. What could Declan Rice have done to get out of the way? He's already got position on the player to win the right to the ball. So if you really think about it, that player's trying to come through Declan Rice. That's yep. a foul on that player. So Declan Rice holding his ground, not going down because he has a goal-scoring opportunity, holds in there, keeps the ball, gets the pass. We get the we get it. And Declan Rice, like in in my opinion, he's been screwed twice now by VAR, which I think is totally ridiculous on both accounts. Um, it's an incredibly infuriating situation. For this is the best part, Liam. For not just West Ham supporters. Oh yeah. This is infuriating for the league. I was happy to see multiple accounts that are associated with other clubs say things like, "Really? Not a goal? What? Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, West Ham have to be the team that we make the example out of. Because here's what's going to happen, Liam. 
and this is exactly what's going to happen in the off season. They're going to change the rule back and they're going to cite that play as the reason why. And, and here's my fear. If we get relegated, because I am a pessimist right now and we've admitted this, we are in a relegation fight. I've said it. If we get relegated by a point, that's the game yeah. that we're going to all point to as supporters and go, what the hell? And then you change the rule back. It, it, it's going to seem as if they put rules in place to specifically screw West Ham. Well, think about it. Was it last season where I think when we played Liverpool, one of their players was easily five yards off sides, but yet they still, the, but the linesman didn't call it. So they get the goal off of it. And yeah, they go back and they go, well, yeah, that was our mistake. You know, luckily we'll have VAR next year that'll be able to catch those instances. And that's what it's for. It's for catching instances where it is clear and obvious error. This is not a clear and obvious error. error. And I will, I will read to you text directly from the Premier League website. So, yes, it does say handballs, where it's any goal scored or created with the use of a hand or arm will be disallowed this season, even if it is accidental. It is, however, the bottom here, considered natural for a player to put their arm between their body and the ground for support when falling, so long as the arm is not extended to make the body bigger. But does that not also extend to running? This is a natural body position. Deflections, the next part right after handball. Premier League players will be allowed extra leeway when it comes to ricocheted handballs. It says it right there, ricocheted handballs. This is this guy heading it off of, as you said, coming in and fouling Declan Rice. It's not a shoulder-to-shoulder challenge. He puts his shoulders right in his, his left shoulder goes directly into Declan's chest, and then he heads the ball into Declan's arm. So if a handball, uh, so a handball will not be awarded if the ball touches a player's hand or arm directly from their own head, body, foot, or the head, body, foot of another player who is close or nearby. I am reading this from their website. It is, like I said before, this is insanity that we have to break this down for professional referees that can still not get this shit right. Tex, I'm I'm going to lose it. I'm going to smash this computer. We're not going to make it through this podcast. Don't worry. I've got John Tesh ready to go. <laughs> he, he is a calming influence on anybody. But it, look, this is the only area you're kind of wrong in, Liam, is the fact that you're you're going off logic and that you can't do that. <laughs> Not in the Premier League. No, no, no. When does logic ever fit in? You know, the Premier League gets so mad at Liverpool, they punish Burnley. That's what, <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes. You know, they yeah. get so mad at Manchester United, Brighton suffer. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's the stupidest thing in the world, but unfortunately West Ham United, one of the biggest clubs in the Premier League, they're in the nation's capital. Um, but for some reason, they're treated like a redheaded stepchild, you know, and it's it's frustrating. It's infuriating because I guarantee you, if that situation happened with one of the top six, I think that goal stands. Absolutely. And I 100 percent believe that. But because it's West Ham, that's a moment where the guys in the room goes, let's put our foot down and let's, you know, disallow the goal. It hits his arm. You know, like, look. I'm a believer you can't put in what's called bubblegum rules. If, if, for those of you listening, what bubblegum rules are is like if you're a teacher in a classroom and you tell the kids they can't chew gum, but the kids in the first row are the only ones you can really monitor that on and the kids in the back get away with it, at some point the kids in the front row are going to go, your rules mean nothing. And this is where the problem comes in. There's a bunch of bubblegum bullshit 
that the Premier League puts out there, and they only enforce it on certain clubs but not others. How many times have we seen examples of guys clearly offsides and goals being stood, but yet if West Ham score a goal, they review it, and we get called offsides because Sebastian Haller is six foot four and he's leaning forward, and it looks like he's offsides when clearly his feet are on. I mean, there's so many things that they got to tighten down. That's absolutely ridiculous. And so, as you would think, VAR, once again, um, costs West Ham United. It's it's hurt us more than it's helped us this year. We all thought it would help us, but it, it clearly hasn't. So, this brings me to this question. West Ham fall 1-0 because of VAR, should have gotten a point out of the match, which would have been a, a good result because it was an away draw, and you always have to respect points in the Premier League, especially when they're an away point. What has VAR done to the game for you, Liam? Like, what has it done to you personally? Like, when you hear those three letters VAR, you may have had one thought at the beginning of the season, but now that may have changed. Honestly, for me, it didn't because we had already seen VAR implemented here domestically with MLS, and they still had missed calls. They had still uh, left opportunities. There was points left on the field for, and you know, you could almost feel like there was an agenda being pushed. That the similar to what we're seeing in the Premier League, certain teams were always going to get the calls over other teams because it allowed them to push a particular narrative, especially concerning the new. Uh, uh, teams that have been added to MLS, right? Like your Atlanta United's, your LAFC's, you, these teams that they want to show progress by saying, look, we've implemented new teams, you know, and they're trying to sell that to other cities that want to come into MLS going, look, you can be successful from season one. Look at how well these teams are doing. If, as long as you invest, as long as you spend the money and that's kind of what we've always seen in the EPL prior to VAR, even with VAR coming in. Nothing has really changed. Liverpool got the calls before. Now they just have video technology to reinforce why we all hate them. Same thing with Manchester City. Same thing with Tottenham, with Chelsea, with, with your big six clubs. These are all going to be the same people that get the same calls regardless of whether or not you're utilizing video technology. I warned people that that had not been fans of MLS but were fans of... Uh, the Premier League, that all their knowledge of VAR is what they had seen in maybe a Bundesliga game here or there, but mostly the World Cup. Yes, in the World Cup, it was utilized well. There was maybe only like one or two instances that were fairly questionable, but the rest of the time, it actually operated very well in the World Cup. Even the Women's World Cup had a couple that were a little bit off, but for the most part, nowhere near the amount of issues that we're seeing. But remember, in a World Cup, it's a finite amount of time. This is an issue that's going to be stretched out over an extended season. And unfortunately, once it's implemented, they're not going to just take VAR away. They will continue to recondition, reevaluate, try to update it, try to get it to the point where it does feel beneficial to the game. But right now, as we said before, dude, I jumped into your arms. We were so excited about Snodgrass's goal. Having that elation, having that passion taken away from you, mere moments after, after the goal was, was scored... This is a thousand times worse than just a linesman raising a flag because now you have to patiently wait for them to absolutely fuck it up. And that's, that's for me, VAR has, has added nothing positive to the game other than just reinforcing our hatred for the agenda that these leagues will continuously push. Elium, it's well said. I mean, for me, it's, 
I'm going to tell you the truth. VAR is killed. And I'm, I'm only going to speak as a supporter here because I think you said it very well. Um, as a supporter, it's 100% killed the excitement of the game. Yep. You know, I'm a very energetic fan. Um, a lot of, a lot of time we score a goal. I'm going to, I'm going to take a victory lap. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to yell. I remember the last ever game at the Bolin when, uh, Winston Reed headed in yes. the final goal. I, I cried. Yeah. In a, in a bar full of people midday in Fresno. And they probably thought they were like, what the hell is this dude's problem? But I cried. I mean, that was, that was incredibly an emotional, beautiful moment. But VAR steals that from you as a supporter. It takes that away, and it's it's crushing. Um, you, you mentioned one thing, and and I, I can only equate it to this, and this is more for our American listeners who are going to understand this. In the late 80s, the NFL instituted instant replay, and it was so horrendously bad, they took it away. And now we have it back. It's been instituted back and under different parameters, and it tends to work very well for the NFL. I think we're going to have to go through the same maturation process in the Premier League. The only thing that's frustrating is right now we're in that time where it's costing teams points. And the worst part is there's no restitution for West Ham United. There's none. Whatever that call is, we have to live with it. Even though it's clearly wrong, we have to live with it. And the other thing is it's they've got to word these rules in a more effective way that we can understand them. Because sometimes it sounds like Charlie Brown's parents reading <laughs> shit to <laughs> wah, us. Wah, wah. Yeah, we don't know what the hell it says. So, you know, there has to be an understanding. Look, soccer fans, the one thing that I know about most soccer fans, especially the ones across the pond, they're knowledgeable about the game. Just like Americans play American football, they play they play their version of football. So we know the game. So to try and sit there and bullshit us, that's that you're not gonna, it's not going to work. Right. So one thing I wish the Premier League would do is appreciate our intelligence about the game. I'm not saying any Tom, Dick, and Harry can go coach West Ham United and do just as well as Manuel Pellegrini did, although that might be true right now. <laughs> but – the point is, we're not ignorant to the game, so don't don't treat us like we are. Everybody and their mom and even their mom's cat knows that Declan Rice had his arm in a natural position. The ball was thrown into his arm by another player, not him. What is he supposed to do at that moment? Like, how do you coach that, Liam? How do you coach it? Well, like we said, apparently you're going to have to tie their arms behind their backs or they're going to have to train in Irish dancing because in Irish step dancing, you have to keep your hands at your side unless you're in a group setting, unless you're doing a group dance. If you're a soloist, you absolutely have to have your hands at your side unless you're Michael Flatley. I know I'm, I'm putting oh, caveats in there. Look at the, the name part, drop. Michael oh, Flatley. Dude, Irish as they come. I mean, sorry, stateside Irish as they come. Actual <laughs> Irish people from Ireland, a bit more Irish than I am. But that 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 to me is is always going to be the ultimate issue. You you said it so eloquently that this is this is be this is something that can eventually mature into a process that works. Right now, it is a system that is broken, and unfortunately, unlike the NFL, yeah, maybe you don't make the playoffs this year. But you don't get dropped into like the XLF <laughs> or XFL or whatever it's called. No, it's going to the XLF. I like that. I that like sounds that better, right? No, I'm yeah. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. Is like these points are going to cost teams relegation, and it's also going to reward teams that shouldn't have those points with European slots. You know what I mean? With more money, like this is an ongoing issue that the continued balance, the lack of parity in this league, is becoming far more than just apparent. This is this is glaring. 
Yeah, and, and you're right. And we don't want to turn into La Liga. Because let's think about La Liga. La Liga is so top-heavy with their top two and sometimes three teams because Atletico Madrid kind of wavers. <laughs> but, you know, they're really, it's a Real Barca league. We all know it. And the Premier League is dangerously moving that direction. Now, they're going to have more teams at the top. But when that gap starts, that we're going to see the same thing that happened to La Liga. When teams get promoted and they get on the field with a Man City or Manchester United or a Chelsea or a Tottenham, when they get on the field with them, they're going to be carrying their autograph books, getting the autographs from the players they're about to play against because they know they don't have a chance. Yeah. And that's what we want to avoid. That's why Leicester City winning was so big for the Premier League because it showed anybody could do it. And it gave you know us West Ham United fans even more hope than we already had. So when I'm looking at this VAR situation, and we don't want to turn it into something that we, we don't want this league to be, I'm going to ask you this question. So Liam... I'm feeling a little sick, a little nauseous about it. And normally when you do that, you go to the doctor, right? So I want you to put on your doctor hat here. I want you to bring me a lollipop, tell me I'm going to be okay, and give me a prescription for the Premier League on how to fix VAR. What should we do? So I think they do need to reevaluate some of the rules. I think obviously this handball rule is is a, a bigger issue than I think they initially thought. I, I understand the idea of... Uh, eliminating the gray area that comes with handball calls. Was it intentional? Is it ball to hand? Is it hand to ball? I understand what their intention was, but they also need to understand that there are different situations and being able to exercise, I guess, exercise like your, your, I don't know, your best, not, not a best guess. What do I want to say? Kind of like use your common sense. Right? Like at the end of the day, like you should be able to see this and go, okay, yeah, that's not intentional. Why would I chalk off this goal? This, it wouldn't make sense to do that. And the fact that you have somebody on, on the field and people in this booth that all can't come to that same determination, that just seems, uh, ill informed. So I think ultimately the, the pro referees need to go back through a specific training. I also think they need to listen to the coaches, to the players. I think there needs to be almost like a grievance that can, that can be rolled up like almost in a union format. That's like, look, we're going to file a grievance based on this. We want you to consider these. We want you to be able to come back and give specific answers for why these things were done in the Australian league right now. They, and I guess they used to do this in, or they do this in rugby. And now they've started implementing it with the inclusion of VAR is that you can hear the, the center field ref, as well as the ref in the booth that are mic'd up. So you can hear the verbal exchange with them where they can say, hey, that tackle that you gave a yellow card to, we think it may have been more reckless and dangerous than, than you might have seen from your position. Come and view it and let us know what you think. And then that way you can go, you go, yes, I thought that was more reckless. And they go, perfect. And they moves it from yellow card to red card, right? We saw that happen to Cresswell where it was initially a red card. They said, hey, come over here, double check it. Probably not as dangerous, as reckless as you thought. They rescinded the red card, brought it down to a yellow. That's one where we actually got the benefit, right? So I think that more tr uh, more transparency in the way the decisions are being made, I think that'll help alleviate some of the anxiety, some of the stress that we have as fans. I think the other thing that that probably needs to happen with this, um, you know, not not so much from the the transparency standpoint, but more in terms of the referee that is in the booth. Uh, Lee brought this up on the weekend review is that they utilize in hockey one central hub 
and they're the ones that view the games. So anytime you have to go into the booth for a particular call, it's always the same people making that call. So it's not this revolving door of whoever is the VAR ref for the day. There should be a set person that that is who it goes back to the difficulty. Obviously you do have some games that play simultaneously. So you may have calls that have to come in at the same time. So maybe you have three or four people that that is it. They are the only ones that are ever going to be in that booth to make those decisions. I think that will help alleviate some of the stress, but let's be honest, the game has changed. It is not going to be the, the premier league that we thought of last year, let alone 10 years ago. I mean, you look at old video footage, some of the tackles that players got away with back in the sixties, oh. they never would have gotten away with it. Now looks at, look at Alexi Lawless and the men's national team. You go watch him in 1994, watch him when MLS first started and he was playing for the LA galaxy. The dude would have been red carded every game. There's no way he would have gotten away with the stuff that players um, that players got away with then that they would not be able to get away with now. So the game has evolved. I think sometimes people forget that over time things will always change. We want to implement things that make it safer for players. American football is a is a huge thing on trying to pull back the possibility of concussions. So yeah, we want to keep the players safe. We want to make sure the game is fair, but we also want to make sure the game maintains its passion. I. I- I, I like what you said, but I'm going to tell you the only way that I would really feel better, the only prescription I really want, is I think VAR needs to either be removed from the game totally, even though I know that's not going to happen, or they need to limit it down to only reviewing scoring plays. Because part of soccer, unlike any other sports, and yes, football for you over the seas listeners, I'm sorry to call it that, but the human element is such a vital part of the game. It always has been. You know, that's why we have these love-hate relationships with these referees. You know, uh, so the human element, unlike other sports, I think has a place in this game. And I can't believe I'm saying it because I I would always bitch about, um, you know, we need VAR. We need VAR because I always felt West Ham were getting jobbed. That's what I always thought. But the reality is the grass wasn't always greener on the other side. And West Ham United are now sitting in a position where they scored two goals in this game, both disallowed because of VAR reviews. I understand the Sebastian Allaire one. I still disagree with it because I think his feet were onside, and I think anybody that's about to run is going to lean forward. And he yeah. didn't score the goal with his head. If he scores it with his head, sure, chalk it off. But he scored it with his feet, which were onside. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And so then the other side of it is a guy like Robert Snodgrass, who is – you know, you could make the argument, and a lot of people are going to agree that you make the argument he's the best hammer we have right now, and he scores that goal, and it gets disallowed, and it, it just it not only it's devastating emotionally, most importantly for the players on the pitch, mm-hmm. because you work that hard to get a goal, and something like that takes it away from you, and you sit there, and I, I've been there as a player, and you go, well, what the hell do I have to do to make so the the mental. The mental drain on those players out there is huge. But one thing we haven't seen, Liam, is we have not seen much of a mental drain out of Robert Snodgrass. And that brings me into this question because I want to – let's get some positivity here, okay? (laughs) Robert Snodgrass is arguably the best player on our team right now. I was incredibly infuriated he didn't start the game. I understand that they were trying to give him rest. But the point is this. The moment he came on the pitch in the 60th minute, it was a different game for West Ham United. His first touch of the ball, he sends a free kick in and Allaire scores. Like, what do you, like, 
I mean, it's that's an incredible, incredible moment. So I'm going to ask you this question because you already know what I'm going to say. I don't need to say anything. <laughs> what does Sebastian Heller mean? Oh, not Sebastian Heller. What does Robert Snodgrass mean? We know what Sebastian Heller means, 45 million, and he's a Frenchie. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but what does Robert Snodgrass mean to West Ham United? What impact has he had, and how important is he to this team now? Well, it's, we call him McMessy for a reason, right? I mean, this this is a player that absolutely gives his – all he leaves it all out on the pitch every single game that he plays so far this season i can think of maybe one game that he didn't really play well and everybody was trying to slate him on twitter everybody was going on social media to be like oh he's a championship grade player get rid of him sell him and i called him all crazy called him all out on it anybody i saw to me i was like you're nuts snodgrass Snodgrass at that point was like tied for most goals scored with up against our $45 million or million pound striker and our left back. I mean, let's be honest. We, we have not been knocking him into the back of the net. And when you, you look at players like Lanzini, right? You look at players like Anderson who were far more expensive than Robert Snodgrass came far more highly touted than he did didn't have to put up with the bullshit that he did you know coming from the board and the son begging him not to uh not to sign him you know having a loan spell down with aston villa and then still coming back and willing to prove didn't come back and go oh well here's the club that, that didn't want me he came back and go i'm gonna prove to you guys that you need me on the pitch had multiple substitute appearances last season, broke his way into the first team, some of which was due to injury, but also was due to the absolute heart that he has, that he will continue to have throughout his tenure at West Ham United. He is a player like Mark Noble. I never want to see them play for another club. I want to see them retire in Claret and Blue, but only under West Ham's Claret and Blue. No one of the other mock wannabe teams. But it's... It's frustrating to me because you have a player that loves this club so much, and I do not feel like the club pays him the respect, pays him his dues that he probably deserves. I, I made the mistake of saying that there was nobody on that bench that was going to make an impact when, when, uh, when we hit about that 60th minute. I was talking to one of the other people at the, at the pub, and I would said to him, like, I, I don't think we have anybody that's coming in off the ban- bench that can really make an impact into this game. I was immediately eating crow because Robert Snodgrass comes on and, like you said, puts it on a plate for Allaire and then smashes one in himself. I mean, the the dude is hands down our best set piece taker. Like, yeah, you always need Noble there to be able to put in the penalties. But for corner kicks, for free kicks, you need Robert Snodgrass. There is nobody else on that team that is going to be able to do what he does with the precision and the consistency that he does it. You, I... I just want you to know I'm all smiles over here. <laughs> I, I feel the butterflies. I mean, I, I love the guy. I was a critic of him, but now, like, if there, I would, I, I always said if I buy uh, another kit with a name on the back, it's going to be Noble. That's the only one. I'm really curious if I want to get a snotty jersey. Oh, I will. I but, absolutely will. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy has been absolutely incredible for us. And, and I think every West Ham fan, and I, I'm, I'm putting a stand, I'm putting a uh, flag in the ground here, Liam. I'm telling you right now. Robert Snodgrass is the one guy on the team right now we cannot sell. Yep. And he is the one guy that has to be on the starting lineup every time. I think Moyes realizes this now. I'd be, I'd be shocked if Snodgrass is fit and ready, he plays. I'd be shocked if anything changes. But he's not the only piece of the puzzle. And as typical West Ham, we're sitting in the middle of the January transfer window, and Liam, 
on a on one hand, can you count how many players we've signed? Uh, yes, I can count them on on zero fingers as well. We have we have tried to sign one injured goalkeeper that Middlesbrough owes us money on. So basically, we're just taking back the player that they did not pay us for. So well done, <laughs> well done in this January transfer window. It's true. I mean, it's it's so infuriating when it comes to the transfer window for West Ham United. I've gotten to the point where I hear these names come out and. I'm just like, well, we're not going to get him. I mean, I think the most notable name that I've heard that continues to circulate, but it's in typical West Ham fashion because we have penny pinching, a penny pinching board. It's going to go all the way to the end of the window, and that's Joe Allen. And I don't yeah. know exactly how much Joe Allen's going to help us, but apparently that, you know, well, Joe Allen, Joe Allen, that's all I hear. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the truth. We don't need anybody to stay up. We got a team that's good enough to do it. We just got to get right. Yeah. And that that's that's my honest opinion. So anybody that we bring in or anybody that we move out um it's just going to make the team the same. I don't see us getting a guy that's going to transform the team. I don't see us going out there and pulling off the queue and getting Marciano, Marciano and uh Tevez. I don't see I don't see us pulling that, you yeah. know. Um so it's a situation, I think, for West Ham United where unless you can go get a guy who's going to instantly change the team, like David Moyes, who's now our manager for the next 18 months, as much as I'm not sure how to feel about it, if he says this guy will transform the team, well, you got to back the manager. We talked about this last show. You got to go all in. You know, right. if you just like if you take an ex back, you got to forgive him for everything. <laughs> um, you know, if you hold anything against them, the relationship won't work. So, if they treat David Moyes like his job is only to keep us up again, well, then no. Well, what do they expect to change? So, to me, when it comes to this transfer situation with West Ham United, the, the problem is I, I've. I've I'm starting to really think it's it's talent evaluation. It comes down to our board's inability to agree on what player that they want, and that infighting is what the problem is. You ever heard the expression, if you got two guys, you don't have one guy? Right. Okay, th- that, that's the thing. You know, if you have multiple voices talking, and you're like, well, it's good to have this many heads, that doesn't work. Sometimes a dictatorship is not a bad thing. Right. You know, when you have one guy with a clear vision of where it needs to go and he has the right things to uh, to get us there, then you let him have what he needs to get it done. So this is a situation, I think, for West Ham United, when you look at this transfer thing, they're going to have to get their, and pardon my French here, they're going to have to get their fucking shit together <laughs> because it is absolutely ridiculous how much of a joke we are in the transfer window. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on the transfer window? Well, it, it, it's... It is infuriating because we, we as supporters feel like there needs to be some sort of movement, right? There needs to be some sort of vision, some sort of reinforcement from the board, from the manager, from the, the backroom staff, what have you, that they are trying to, you know, move us closer to where we ultimately want to go. And it's, it, you know, they've floated around all these names. We, we've seen, you know, that Gedson Fernandez, that, that, Obviously, apparently, we were never really in the running. We were just one of the many names that were that were toted, um, you know, to try to, to to try to upsell a player. And it's 
I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, man. Like you you really think about the players that we have, and we can get the job done with them. I mean, even with Fabianski injured, you just put Martins in there. Yeah, he had the gaff. I think it's fifty fifty. His bad pass, Balbuena misreading where the pass was going to go. No, it's a hundred percent on Balbuena. I'm sorry, I have to, I have to, <laughs> I have to. Like I love Balbuena, but that's one hundred percent on him. He shouldn't have let that ball go. Martins is counting on him to do it. And then when you, the moment you decide to let that ball go, you're fucked. Yeah. And like he doesn't try to chase him down with any sort of pace, which was the, the other infuriating part, which was why I leaned a little bit more towards Balbuena being at fault with that one. And yeah, Martins had positioned himself to save it, takes the bad bounce, but it's, that's not typical of Martin. We haven't seen him make that same error game after game. This was, this was one off. And unfortunately Sheffield, you know, was able to capitalize on it. It's, you know, yeah, with uh, um, Fredericks out, we don't have a, a right back. Cool. Play a back three. We did it against Gillingham. We were able to put two past him. You can't tell me with a little bit more practice that we couldn't play with those three center backs. Play Masuaku on the right-hand side as a wing back. Play Cresswell on the left. It still works. You could still make this work with the players that we have. Jack Wilshire, when he finally gets out of the dryers that he's popping out of to scare Declan. And once he's finally fit, that's another, that's your reinforcements. That's why you don't need Allen. You have Wilshire as an, uh, as another midfielder that can strengthen it. We don't even have enough space to fit Fornells and Snodgrass into a starting uh, 11 right now. You cannot tell me that those guys, uh, if they're not going to start, that's your bench. You don't need additional midfielders right now. You have a midfield that works. It's just getting them to play with consistency. So with the whole transfer thing, that is, I, I'm neither here nor there because I'm not going to believe it until I see the player taking the picture, holding the kit, David Moyes shaking their hand, or Sullivan if it's a high-profile player and he wants to show how important you know he is as a contributor to the club, whatever. But the the thing that frustrates me is whether they're making the the right moves and whatnot. Karen Brady consistently puts her own foot in her mouth and undermines everything this club is doing. It, it boggles the mind that the two guys that are the majority shareholders continuously let this person, I'm not going to say lady because I don't want people misconstruing that it's because she's female. I don't give a shit if she's male or female. Wh- whoever was doing this, I would still be frustrated with them because they are coming out and they are making our club look like fools. You and you hit the nail on the head and you started to get into something that is where I think the antithesis of all the issues start start to grow is you have I, I, I will always appreciate David Gold. He's an East End boy. Um, I, I don't think that I sometimes this is what I think people miss about David Gold. And I just want to make this very clear. When sometimes when you always act upon what your heart tells you to do, you're going to get yourself into some ugly situations <laughs> because you don't use your head to balance that out. And and that's why I always appreciate Gold Sullivan. Uh, I have my issues with Sullivan big time, yeah. and I also have my issues with Brady. And um, we're going to get into a segment right now that we're going to call "Listen to Liam." Now, let me tell you what this segment's about, people. Um, sometimes, you know, Liam and I are very passionate people. As you can tell, we like to talk a lot. That's why we're doing a podcast because nobody else will talk to us. <laughs> so we're in this situation and sometimes something comes across and it just gets in your crawl and it's kind of like a wedgie. You got to pick it 
Otherwise, you're going to be squirming in your seat the whole time. It's uncomfortable. You don't like it. You get short with people. They're like, hey, would you like a glass of water? Yeah, I'd like a glass of goddamn water, please. Like, you just get frustrated, you know, over little shit. So in order to avoid that, this is a segment we're going to dub Listen to Liam. And what this segment entails is is your ability to vent and get something off your chest. So because if if y'all don't know, Liam is married to an absolutely stunning lady. He has two beautiful kids. And we don't want him to lose that relationship. <laughs> we want him to stay happy because let's be honest, you know, she's the prize. You know, you yeah, kinda I'm, you're whatever. I, I, I punched above my weight class. Yeah, on that yeah, one. <laughs> I mean I mean you're you're a solid nine. I'll give you that on a scale of oh, one to ten. You. I'll give you that. But you know, the wife's a sixty three, so yeah, it's tough, you know. Um, so I'm just going to say I came in today. Um, immediately, I, I look at you. There's sweat beating up on the forehead. And I say, hey, Liam, how are you doing? You go, did you hear what Brady said? <laughs> and I went, well, what do you mean? What did Brady said? And you said on Sky Sports. And I went, um, no, no, I didn't. And then just so you all know, I, I block Karen Brady on everything. I just choose not to listen to her. So, Liam, you're going to explain to us what Brady said. And then I want you to let the people know how you feel. Take it away. This is the very first ever listen to Liam. Nice. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So uh, Baroness Brady, uh, she had spoke uh, with Sky News's Ian King, and he got right to the point where he said, look, it's been 10 years on, uh, you know, 10 years ago when you, when, when uh, uh, Sullivan and Gold took over the club, you were in 17th place, you're in 16th place. Why the struggle? Why has there not been this improvement? And, you know, she literally starts off with, uh, we've obviously invested over $200 million in the team. Sounds big. Sounds like a big number. But then you break that up in the fact that that is $20 million on average per year over the last 10 years. You look at another club that, quote unquote, is trying to strive for big things. We are trying to elevate ourselves to the next level. That's why we went to the London Stadium is that we are going to break through this glass ceiling that has been West Ham throughout its entirety. We're going to get back to the glory days of the boys of 86 and the the 80, uh, 1980 winning uh, FA Cup team. This is fabricated bullshit and it's her trying to downplay their their absolute shortcomings that have happened with this club so them talking about bringing in a premier league winning manager with manuel pellegrini which obviously didn't work out at all the the fact that they're talking about how the the reason that uh, West Ham United is still in the Premier League is because we were taken to the London Stadium as though we wouldn't have been able to stay into in the Premier League while still in the bowling ground. Bitch, we've been in the Premier League for the better part of what? A hundred years, a hundred fucking years, and we've been in the Premier League. Whatever it was, when it was still Division One before it was actually announced in 1992 as the official Premier League. This is ridiculousness. This is revisionist history. Where it's somebody going back trying to tell us, oh well, you know, without us, you would have failed. Without our investment, you were a club that was failure. Yeah, we get it. We understand that there was a lot of debt. We understand that the biscuit bakers in Iceland didn't fully understand what they were taking on. And that's why after they bought the club from Terry Brown, we had that failure. We were under administration. We knew there was going to be issues. But you cannot tell me there were not other investors that would have gladly picked up this club. We have other investors. The, the, that mogul in Las Vegas that owns a bunch of hotels in the Strip owns a 10% share. If they didn't do this, Smith would have done it. Smith would have gone and bought the rest of the club, and I guarantee you we would be in a much better position than we are now. The reason we are failing as a club is because 
you said before, Tex, that with David Gold, you have an appreciation for him. He's an East End boy, played in the Academy. I get it. He's not the majority shareholder. The person that continuously fucks this up is Sullivan. And then Brady goes on there trying to spin it as though she is some sort of silver-tongued siren, and she is not. She is absolutely the epitome of everything that is wrong with this club. I wish I could remember this player's name, but he called her a devil with tits. The devil incarnate with tits. And I cannot stress enough how accurate this assessment is for Karen fucking Brady. You could call her a baroness. I would like to call her a lot worse words than that. So I will say this. I will leave you on this episode. <laughs> Listen to Liam. I will leave you with this. Do not be dubbed. Do not be overpowered by the bullshit that will be spinned that will be spinning out of the mouths of the board members during this January transfer window. She tried to pitch this that there is no that the difficulty they are having with West Ham United as a club is because there is no product. There is no product. This is a business with no product. The product is on the pitch, and she would know that if they understood how football worked, if they understood what it was that they were investing in. They view this as though we are just customers. This is their business, and we are their customers. Not that we are the supporters of this grand football club that we love, but that we are consumers, that we can be churned out, easy in, easy out, and left for dead as they bring in the new crop, as they bring in the tourists that will come and spend money on their overpriced popcorn, on their shitty coffee, buying and buying the shit that they are selling to anybody that has half a brain cell would be able to understand that this is absolute crap. So I ask you, I ask you the listener, please speak up against this. Make sure that other people understand that what Karen Brady is saying is not anything that any of us need to listen to. The easiest way to make somebody like that go away, ignore her. Continue to ignore her. Continue to make her feel as though everything that she is saying is not valued by the supporters of this club. We are West Ham United. They are just the board. And this has been Listen to Liam. I'm not going to lie. That's my new favorite segment in the whole show. <laughs> I'm sitting over here trying to contain my laughter. Um, I, well said. There's nothing <laughs> I need to say. There's no good transition here. We're just going to move on because, God damn, that was beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank um, you. So, so uh, uh, in other West Ham supporter news after, after this, I mean, uh, I don't know how much time we're going to spend here because, my God, that was gorgeous. Um, the Hammers United, you've informed me, is, is organizing yet again another protest. Most notably, they had one, uh, I think before the Burnley game. Yes. Um, a couple seasons ago under Slavin, uh, oh no, it was, uh, Moyes was the it was, manager. Yeah, it was during Moyes. Moyes was the manager. It was the season we fired, uh, Slavin Bilic. So, Hammers United have a protest coming in, and they made it very clear that this protest is not against the manager or the players. This is 100% against the board. So I'm going to ask you uh, this question, and I want you to elaborate on this protest if you want to bring up any more here, Liam. But what, what are your thoughts on this protest? How do you feel about it? So, and I'll try to run through this quickly because I, I went a little long in the tooth with my rant there. But the, the protest itself is built upon the 10-point uh, system that uh, Sullivan uh, and Gold initially had put out when they took over the club. So these 10 points, and I'll run through them quickly, was appoint the right manager, sign new players – more investment in the academy, continue to clear the debt, free season ticket prices for renewals, build the status and image of the club, make it enjoyable to come and watch, 
Uh, get closer to the community, go for the Olympic Stadium, and listen to supporters. I could tell you that there are probably two out of the ten that they've actually achieved. So this protest is based mostly upon that. That They would not protest because we as West Ham supporters understand that we are not going to be that team that is perpetually at the top of the table. We know this is a roller coaster club. There's going to be the ups and the downs, the heartbreaks and, and, and the elation. But the problem is that these guys came in with this promise that they were going to take us someplace that they have absolutely failed to take us. That is what this protest is based on. And I fully support this protest because the failures that that this board has, they're, they're basically the, uh, um, they are the makers of their own downfall in, in this instance, because if they had not made these promises, then I don't think we'd be in the situation that we are in right now. But because they told us one thing and absolutely have not delivered on it, that's why this protest is happening. I couldn't be more against it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, Liam, I, I hear where you're coming from. Uh, but he, here's the fact you, you said only two. I counted at least six that they've attempted to do. Um, you, the best line you said there and what you just said is that they are the architects of their own demise. And that's clearly what they are. Um, hindsight's 2020. They absolutely thought they hired the right manager in Pellegrini. And for a short time, it looked like they did. They 100% have targeted a higher class of player. Doesn't mean that every player worked out, but they've done their best. To me, they are operating with the best of intentions. Now, I know the path to hell is paved with good intentions, <laughs> but I, this is my point, Liam. This is why this, this protest, and forgive me here, is, is absolutely ridiculous, and it should not happen. I understand the frustration, and you have a right to be frustrated, as am I with the board. But here's the problem. That protest before the Burnley game, I remember sitting at the bar at Full Circle Brewing when that happened, there we had families there we had kids and having to explain to those kids what's going on in the pitch seeing people run on to the pitch just the utter chaos and the destruction it was almost like we watched our club go up in flames that day and i understand the frustration it boiled over and at that time something had to be done i understand but i don't ever want to see that again at my club oh agreed agreed and and the thing is that these the hammers united like I don't, I, I don't think that they understand. They remind me of the people that are never satisfied because hindsight's twenty twenty. Do you agree? Oh, of course, of course. So, of course, you can look back and tell us how shitty of a hire Manuel Pellegrini is. But the truth is there was a time where every single West Ham United fan was seeing Pellegrini's Claret and Blue Army. They were all doing it. So don't sit there and tell me that you weren't. There wasn't a time that when we signed Sebastian Haller, there was a stretch there where we got, my God, this $45 million player is worth it. He had three goals in three games. Right. So the guy, like, to sit there and say that, the, the problem, we've already identified what the problem is because we're the smartest two West Ham fans that we all know. <laughs> That's a total joke. We're not. But... You know, the point is this. There's something rotten in the club, and we know it. What that is, I don't know. Is David Moyes the guy to cut out all the rot? I hope, but I honestly don't know. The truth is this. I've gone from wanting names to wanting the right people, West Ham-type people. That's why I like Eddie Howe. Why? Because Eddie Howe can work under the constraints of a small budget and be successful. Right. Why do I... Why do I not want a guy like um, Jose Mourinho at West Ham United? Because Jose Mourinho is full of excuses. 
That's all he ever gives us is excuse, 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 excuse. And you watch any press conference. I don't want that guy at my club. I know that he, he dubbed himself the special one, but you know, I call him the bitch one. So <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just a situation for me where I, I just can't get behind this protest, Liam. I can. I understand the 10 points, but I think, I think any West Ham fan that looks at those 10 points, and yes, I'm calling you out here. I think that you're giving too much credit to the fact that things haven't worked out when at the time that they happened, we were all pretty happy about them. When we signed Sebastian Hilaire, it was an elation on Twitter. I saw pictures of him as Jesus walking around. Right, right. But see, but that I think that's that's where it becomes part of the issue, though, is because you do have, even with the very first one, appoint the right manager. So p- part of this idea of the right manager was the fact that they were going to be searching for high quality, high level, proven track record. Pellegrini, for sure. I absolutely agree. Pellegrini didn't work out. But why would you say Pellegrini didn't work out? Would you say it was Pellegrini or do you say part of it was lack of support from the board? I, 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 I 100% go on Pellegrini. Like I, I think the board did invest in him and did support him. We've never backed a manager like we backed Pellegrini. Right, but we backed him in one summer transfer window. In both the January tran- – well, in the one January transfer window, I guess you could say, that he really got. They really didn't back him. They really didn't give him any money on that one. And then look at the managers before that. Moyes, they didn't back. They didn't support. And that was that really top-level manager. Billich before him. Allardyce before him. And then Avram Grant before him. I mean, let's think about this. None of these managers are high-profile managers. Moyes couldn't even get a job after he got fired from ours. No other club was trying to pick him up. The only one out of that group that did get one pretty much immediately was Sam Allardyce. Billich, yeah, he's got the job now at West Brom, and they're doing good things, but why are they doing good things? Grady Diangana, as soon as he went out, and was injured, they started to lose their form. So just like he had with Dimitri Payat here in West Ham, he had one star player that helped carry him and made him look like a better manager than he was. I love Slavin Bilic. Don't get me wrong. But maybe we set our sights a little bit too low. When we look at a lot of these other ones as well, the only ones that I can really give them a pass on was the clear uh, freezing the season ticket prices because they did there was like a three year freeze that they didn't increase them and they still have some of the lowest tickets available for a top name team in the Premier League, but building the status and image of the club we're a joke we're run by dildo salesmen people don't look at West Ham United and think like yeah this is top echelon we we don't get those top level managers and those the right players because they don't want to play and work for these idiots that is ultimately the problem that we're running into. And the biggest epic fail, make it enjoyable to come and watch. Yeah, yeah you're right. But well, here, I'm, I'm going to timestamp that uh, one. Jack uh, said I'm right. You're, you're right <laughs> on the fact that, yes, there, there's elements there. But one of the 10-point plans is listen to supporters. No offense. Like, I'm going to call out every West Ham supporter here, and I've done it a million times. If you get on Twitter, I wouldn't listen to West Ham fans. I wouldn't. No. Because no. Robert Snodgrass would have been sold. Um, they would have they would have excommunicated Mark Noble, you know, and then uh, the moment shit goes bad, they'd have brought back Dimitri Payet. So I, I don't I don't think you can listen to supporters no, like no. that is maybe one of the most ridiculous things that that's one of those things that's on your 10 point plan. On, excuse me, not yours, but on <laughs> Hammers United, um, their, their protest. The, the point is this. They have a point. They are right to be upset. It is very clear that whatever's going on in the board is not healthy for the club. And that's maybe where the rot lies. Right. But but the truth is always, this is where I'm going to fall on it, Liam. Until they find a West Ham guy, 
a guy that can not only manage the club, but can evaluate talent and say, that's a West Ham guy. If you're familiar with American college football, then you've heard the story of the University of Miami, the Hurricanes. Back when they blew up in the 80s, even into the 90s and the early 2000s, one of the most dominant American football programs in collegiate athletics. When they recruited, they had a saying, we recruit Miami guys. Yeah. They don't just go get anybody. They don't get the best name. They go get Miami guys. We got to go get West Ham United guys, guys that want to work hard, that play for the badge. This might be a shock to everybody. <laughs> that means we're going to get a lot of guys that you may have not heard of. That means we're not going to go out there and get the Ronaldos and the Messies. We're not going to be in the sweet stakes. We're going to go get the guys that are going to outwork you, like a Robert Snodgrass, like a Mark Noble, like a Lucas Fabianski. All of those are value players, which means that what they give us on the pitch far exceeds what we're actually paying them. Right. And so that that's my point. I you made some good points, and I'm going to give that to you, Liam. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to listen. (laughs) But the the thing is. The the protest has there's no positivity there for the club. They're like I don't understand why you would want to do this. You have issues with the club. Guess what? Every supporter in England and every supporter of every soccer club around the world has some issue with their club, whether it be from the price of a beer all the way to how they're spending money in a transfer window. Right. So I, I just think it's a little redundant to sit there. The truth is this the only people that can change are themselves. So it's up to Brady Sullivan and Gold. To step up and make. Gold's got to stop thinking with his heart. Yeah. Sullivan's got to stop pinching the penny book. And Brady's got to shut her fucking trap. Yeah. And and if when those things happen, we're going to see things change. Because I don't think this board is horrendous for West Ham United. I think their actions are horrendous. But I think their heart's in the right place. Right. Except for Brady. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we're getting we're getting close down to the end here. West Ham have another game coming up against a uh, team with a new manager in Everton. Carlo Ancelotti is uh, taking on um, the new role as the Everton manager, which is obviously a couple steps down from his time at Real and also Bayern Munich. Um, so West Ham United are going to get into another match. David Moyes obviously knows West Ham very well. Um, West Ham under Moyes, two wins, one loss. Uh, we don't quite know what we are. It's a pretty small sample size at the moment. And only two of those games actually in the Premier League themselves. So we're one and one at this point. But remember, we did score four goals in their first outing and technically scored two more in this last outing. They just got chalked off. So we can score. It's just can we keep the clean sheet as well? Well, I remember last time Moyes took over, at some point we had a little bit of a turnaround and we were able to score some goals. Obviously, Marko Anatovic was a big part of that reason. A um, couple of things to note. Um, it looks like Fredericks will most likely be out um, yeah. this game. I, I heard a rumor that he was going to have a training test, and then I saw that that was uh, scratched. Lucas Fabianski looks to be out for another three weeks. It doesn't seem to be as bad as they initially thought. So obviously there's going to be questions at goalkeeper. Uh, you're looking at possibly Zabaleta starting again unless he chooses to go with a different formation. Um, I fully expect Robert Snodgrass to be in the starting lineup. If he is, I like our chances. Yes. Um, if he's not, I don't know where the creativity is going to come from because Lanzini um, showed some flashes in the game, but it's not consistent. Um I think the partnership between Allaire 
and Anderson needs to continue to grow. So I hope that he plays them up top together. Um, and it doesn't look like we're going to have Mikel Antonio. So going into this game, obviously Everton have their own cast of characters that can give us trouble in Richarlson. And, uh, of course, another player linked with West Ham United and Sigison, which means he'll most likely score against us. So looking at this match coming up, what do you expect to see from West Ham United as they travel to Everton? So, uh, so we're home for this match. Thank you Thank for saying goodness, that. I right? apologize. No, because I think we. I think I would expect a loss going away to Everton. But I think being at home, I think you know, even with the protests, I do think that we'll we'll still um, have the right pep in our step to be able to get get job done. Now, Ancelotti likes to play more of that possession based attacking style football. If, as long as we can absorb the pressure and counter, similar to what we did with Bournemouth, especially with that Anderson goal with that beautiful left footed uh, pass from from uh, from Declan. Rice. I do like our chances in this one. I do think it'll be a fairly close game, uh, probably a 1-0 or a 2-1 uh, going to the Hammers. I think that we will take the, the win on this one. Uh, ideally, I'd say if it's going to be uh, Antonio and Alaire up top, I'm going to say Snodgrass and Fornell score the goals. But on the flip side, if it's Alaire and Antonio up top, I think it's Snodgrass and Fornells that score the goals. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, not that I'm not trying to dig against our strikers. I just think more of our fight has come from our midfield. So more likely that the goals are going to come from there. I expect to see a team that's going to struggle to figure out what Moyes wants. I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on guys. Um, he famously has a quote, and I love that he said it. It doesn't mean I love him as the manager, but I love that he said if it's simple. If you don't run, you don't play. Right. So I know that whatever 11 guys he puts out there, they're going to work. Yeah. Um, but I think anytime you have a new manager, there's an adjustment period. You always get that new manager bump, but his bump is now over. So, <laughs> so I think I think it's a situation where we're going to have to figure out the way he wants to play, just kind of like his last stint with us um we were really good at the end of the year with him um which kind of gave me a little worry they were going to hire him as the full-on manager but they didn't um so when i kind of look at the situation i think we're going to see a team that struggles i think we're going to struggle to get a goal um i think the goal is going to come from robert snodgrass and the reason why and i I, y'all are going to get sick of me saying his name but he's the only player that I see out there on the pitch consistently that looks dangerous. Yeah. Now, at times, Anderson looks like he's starting to get there. So Snodgrass is the guy that I think gets the goal. But I think it's going to be a hard-fought 1-0 game. And the reason I say that is because under Moyes, we've given up one goal. And let's be honest, it was off a mistake. Yeah. And so outside of that, defensively, we've looked pretty good. And I'm, I'm a Martins fan. I like the way he plays in goal. I think he does a good job. I know he's not the answer. But the guy loves the club. His dad played for the club. He absolutely doesn't want to disrespect the badge. He doesn't want to make the badge look bad. So I like what we're going to get out of him. But I have a 1-1-0 win for West Ham United. Robert Snodgrass getting the goal. Who is your man of the match? Oh, man of the match for me, uh, if it's not snotty, I'm, I'm going to go with Mark Noble. I think that, as I said before, they had a bit of a sloppy game across the board, front to back, every single one of our players. Noble knows when he needs to turn it up. And unfortunately, there's times against lower, or sorry, mid-label, mid-table teams where sometimes Mark Noble can go missing a little bit. But I think against Everton, especially at home, Noble's going to come out with a fire. And I think, I think he's going to completely orchestrate that midfield and I, I i think we need him to in order to get that win i'm a little upset because i know you were looking at my paper before we got into this because i have mark noble as well <laughs> as man of the match for all the same reasons you said so i'm not going to say anything but i know you cheated um 
Just so everybody knows, do not play Uno with Liam Bright. That's right. Um, I have cards tattooed up my sleeves, <laughs> quite literally. So it's no good. So that brings us to uh, the former favorite segment of the show, but now we have a new favorite one. So this is now back to our yellow and red cards. Liam, hit me with your yellow. Oh, man. So yellow card I'm going to give to uh, Fabianski. So if you know this is an injury that you could potentially still injure, why would you not have your center backs come and take that that kick? If you need to do a long ball kick, don't put yourself in that position. And I think we need to do the same thing with Martins because he injured himself in exactly the same way Fabianski did. We, if, if we're going to do three in the back, have one of those guys come back and have them take those kicks because if we are going to put ourselves in the same position with Martins, that means Roberto's going to have to go in goal. And at that point, I would rather that David Moyes suits up and stands between the pipes than to ever let Roberto touch any part of a of a soccer field football field ever again in his freaking life i'm just gonna do you one better here how about they stretch out their hip flexors before they kick a ball like that you no, know but, but that would mean that they have proper training over on oh, rush green and we shit. already know that that's not the case God, because our, yeah, our squad right. is so injury prone you're, you're so right you're 100 <laughs> right forget west ham bad training west ham bad got to remember that word association there <laughs> nice how about um, you what's your yellow my yellow card is going to go to david moyes and i'm going to tell you why um, David Moyes gets my yellow card, and I understand trying to rest Snodgrass. I get it, but he's your best player right now. You yeah. got to play him. Like if he's on the pitch the whole game, we win. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer we win. Um, he comes on his literally his first touch of the of the whole game. He sends it in on a plate for Alaire, like you outlined for us earlier, and he buries it in the back of the net. Now, yes, he was offsides. But that moment tells you how dangerous that player is. Yeah. And we, as you outlined earlier, we don't have a guy on the pitch that's good at set pieces. So it has to be him. And he has to play. If he can physically stand up, he's got to go in. Right. And so that's kind of my thing on that. Who do you have your red card for? Uh, red card's got to go to the FA because they needed to change that handball rule like yesterday. Like this needed to be done. Uh, with far more clarity, they needed to understand what were going to be the potential shortcomings of redefining it in the way that they did. And I think that there's a couple other things that they need to review as well. As we talked earlier about uh, a VAR, we won't get into that right now. But yes, it's absolutely got to go to the FA, redefine that rule, fix that fucking handball. Oh, we're going into the VAR because that's where my goddamn <laughs> red card is. So we're absolutely going there. And this is all I'm going to say. Fuck VAR. And yes, that is a curse word. F-U-C-K. Fuck VAR. Okay. And th what that means is that you have stolen so many beautiful moments as a supporter from so many people this year that it's frustrating. Yep. So either they have to speed up the process, they have to do something. But I'm going to tell you right now, either review every single goal so everybody has to sit there and wait to celebrate or have a quicker process because it's infuriating as a fan that we cannot celebrate a goal. And when we do, we feel like an idiot for celebrating when you disallow it. So that is where my red card goes is to VAR. Now, I have a little shout-out here that I want to say. is uh, This is my fourth episode to do with you, Liam, and I'm just going to say this. Um, I think that you have done an absolutely phenomenal job for American Hammers and American Hammers Network. And also, I want to say thank you for bringing a new life into this show. It's absolutely been beautiful. Um, and I'm taking a little uh, page out of your book here. I think all listeners of this podcast, including myself, we all need to start getting involved. We need to get involved with American Hammers Network. We need to get involved and let your voice be heard. You're a supporter. You have a say. And absolutely, I don't think you should protest, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you have a say. You're allowed to bitch, don't protest. So it's kind of a situation where I hope everybody gets involved. 
Um, and so now it's time for, I want to say thank you for that. Cause I don't think a lot of times people don't get the credit they deserve and you deserve oh, that. Thanks man. No. And, and honestly, right back at you. Cause this would not have been possible if you weren't already hosting this show. And you know, if you had brought up the fact that, Oh, Hey, if there's something that you might be interested in doing, you know, it absolutely made sense for us to be able to do this because we live in the same city. Like this is uh, simple. And from day one, minute one, when I walked into Full Circle Brewing, or no, sorry, it was uh, the Chelsea Bar that was the first time I showed Hook up. Hook and ladder. Hook and ladder. First time I showed up, you had arms wide open, welcomed me in, as though I was an old friend that you just hadn't seen for a while. There was never a moment that I did not feel welcome into this group and welcome into this podcast. So thank you so much for for bringing me along for the ride, because already four episodes in, man, this is this has been probably my favorite part of being a West Ham supporter, is feeling like there's more community than, than I had ever felt previously. I finally have somebody else I can bitch about this stuff with. So I think you're bullshitting me. I think you got sick. No, of my, no, my, I mean it. I think you got sick of my messages to you and be like, Hey, why don't you come on out? Get in. Hey, here's the flyer. I probably <laughs> sent that to you like 30 times Oh, dude, without fail. And I was like, sorry, man, just had a baby. Just had a baby. You're like, bring him with you. And I was like, <laughs> Man, he's not going to let up. I have to go. I absolutely, I loved the tenacity, but you were never pushy with it. You were always welcoming, and I appreciate that. So thank you for always being welcoming. Hey, Fresno Irons, we're a friendly, friendly bunch. That's right, Fresno's finest. So the, uh, the, the, my, my uh, simple shout-out for this one is definitely going to be uh, to the American Hammers Network, and I really want to give a shout-out to our listener base, and I have a, a favor to ask of you. So you guys have done us such a solid listening to this podcast, interacting us with, with us on social media, media. Uh, it honestly means the world to us. It, it, it allows us to continue to do this podcast. But one thing that we would absolutely love for you to do is to recommend us to one of your other friends, one, at least one other person, whether you know them face to face, or if it's a friend on social media, please recommend our podcast to them because we would love to have them tune in as well and give us their feedback. We want you guys to give us your feedback. If you want to give us that rate, that review, hopefully you've already subscribed, but let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think that we can work on things that you already like that we do do you like the yellow card red card did you like the listen to liam like what kind of things do would you like to see us to do in the future because ultimately we do this podcast not just for ourselves but for you and we want your input to feel valued here on the show unlike a particular board that doesn't give a shit about their their supporters we absolutely do so please feel free to reach out to us hit us up on social media it's a h radio w h u or you can follow me at Liam Bright. You can also follow Tex at Fresno Irons. So absolutely hit us up. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of this community. And as always, we want you to know that you are a West Ham supporter, and we understand your pain. <laughs> this is kind of like therapy. Um, last thing, as always, if you find yourself in the Central Valley of California and you're a West Ham United supporter, and you're like, God dang, I really need to watch the match tomorrow morning. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at Fresno Irons, and come and hang out with Fresno's finest and support the most fun club in all of the EPL, West Ham United. Uh, for Liam, I am Tex, and as always, come, come on, on, you Irons. irons.